Hi, I'm Gabriel Carrillo from the EdTech Bytes podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, I, I got a question for you. Do you ever feel stressed, overwhelmed, exhausted, stuck? Or, or, or are you emotionally eating? Uh, you can't sleep. You're mindlessly scrolling the internet or watching TV. You have thoughts uh, racing through your brain all the time. You have a foggy brain even. Not sure if you're stressed? If you experience any of the things listed, there's a good chance the challenge I'm about to tell you about will help you. I have the wonderful opportunity to collaborate with Yin Jimenez of Connect Flow Grow on her new program, the 21 Day Stress Less Challenge. Over the course of 21 days, Lynn will teach you what you need to know about stress, including what it is, how to identify how stress impacts you, and how to use coping skills effectively to actually stress less. Most of us weren't explicitly taught ever what stress is, uh, nor how to reduce it. But Lynn will help all of us. Join by April 16th and enroll in the challenge that begins on April 19th and join her on live Zoom coaching calls where she will help you get grounded and answer all of your burning questions. Go to connectflowgrow.com and use my code Stephen and the number 10. So Stephen10 to save 10%. And Teaching Learning Leading K-12 gets a commission. Take care. Get ready to get your stress under control. Hey, welcome back. Steve here. And today I'm talking with Jeremy Keishan. He is the CEO and co-founder of CodeHS, the leading coding education platform for schools. And he's also the author of the book, Read, Write, Code, a friendly introduction to the world of coding and why it's the new literacy. Oh, you're going to love this discussion. You're going to love this book. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, it would be so cool if you would go to the platform that you're listening to me on and go in there and rate and review the podcast could you please 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 <laughs> thanks enjoy you know a couple of years ago my uh my wedding band started having problems and i've had it for 34 years and uh it started breaking at at the back side of it and we got it fixed a couple of different times and then eventually not too long ago one of those that backside just fell out and it couldn't be fixed any longer. And I'm like, this is crazy. I, you know, I shouldn't have to deal with this. And, and so anyway, then a friend told me about, uh, Boone titanium rings and, uh, which is at boonrings.com. And they have this incredible selection of titanium rings. And, and, uh, I now have a titanium ring as my wedding band. What's really cool is like it's an engraved ring that has uh, these cool car pistons on it and some stars. And, and the, I could have chosen from any kind of different stand, uh, styles, as well as they have all these other different types of rings, like uh, inlays that have meteorite, wood, acrylic, stone, and things like that. They also make uh, carved rings and, and a, just a, an assortment of other rings that uh, are just pretty amazing. They also make pendants and cufflinks and earrings, and as well as a couple different types of tools. Um, I got to tell you, something it's really cool because this ring's not going to break <laughs> and uh they, they'll make you happy and uh just as a note uh teaching learning leading k-12 um they've become an affiliate sponsor for us and so if you were to use our code which is capital t capital l capital l capital k the number 12 and uh, use that at checkout you get 10 percent off your ring and uh teaching learning leading k-12 gets a commission i think you're going to love their rings i know i'd love mine <laughs> You are listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast for educators. 
helping you help kids achieve their dreams. And now here's Steve with this week's show. Jeremy Keishan is the CEO and co-founder of CodeHS, the leading coding education platform for schools used by millions of students. He is an expert in computer science education and education technology, and he has visited hundreds of schools all over the world. Prior to starting CodeHS, he taught computer science at Stanford. Keishan is an avid com comedy fan, juggler, and traveler. He lives in Chicago. Today, we are focused on Jeremy's book, Read, Write, Code, a friendly introduction to the world of coding and why it's the new literacy. A little bit about Read, Write, Code. Jeremy Keishan demystifies the world of computers, starting at the beginning to explain the basic building blocks of today's tech. Programming, the internet, data, apps, the cloud, cybersecurity, algorithms, artificial intelligence, and so much more. Jeremy, thanks for joining me today, and say hi to everyone. Stephen, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, it's awesome having you here, Jeremy, and uh, and let's start with you. Uh, you know, and, and before I get into some this other stuff, so I got to ask about two things. So juggler. Right. juggler. Yes. Yes, uh, I got into it and I learned when I was younger um, and then I got more into it in college and I was biking by one day and I joined the juggling club and then it became a really big hobby of mine and I uh, did the juggling club in college and was leading the juggling club one year and uh, have done it a good bit since then. I, um, I actually, I think there, there's a nice connection also with the juggling and coding because it's one of those things where people go, how can you learn that? That seems impossible. <laughs> and I think, uh, I've, so I've, I've taught a lot of people coding. I've also taught a lot of people juggling. That's awesome. Oh, I, people haven't asked me about that on a different podcast, the, the juggling, but I like that. Oh, cool. I, I was going <laughs> to ask you if you, uh, if you found a way to connect it with introducing the coding because I because I can see how right. Well, I think it's I think it's all about starting small, step by step. You know, taking a growth mindset, not giving up before you get started. Because um, it's like three balls. Like, how do you? Where do you start? <laughs> Five balls. How do you start? You start with one. You start with one, and you throw it back and forth. I love it. And then you do it. And that's that's what we do with coding. We're not starting you with you know crazy stuff. We start you with one coding command. You know. I like that. I like that a lot. So I, I got to ask you, so have you, have you ventured into bowling balls or chainsaws or anything like that? Uh, so I can juggle clubs. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah, I can juggle clubs. So I uh, can do that. And then club passing, we're throwing them kind of back and forth. And uh, yeah. Awesome. That's not, 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 uh, I guess not, not chainsaws. No, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I, I don't know how they choose to do that. I, 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 but uh, cool stuff. I like, I like that. I got to ask you one more thing. So uh, uh, what's, what's one of your favorite comedians or who? Oh, well, probably my favorite comedian is Jerry Seinfeld. Oh, nice. I, um, yeah, I've done a bit, good bit of comedy stuff and I uh, liked it for, for a while and seen some shows and uh, yeah, definitely a big, big fan. He's awesome. I, I enjoyed the show and he's any specials he comes out with, I get a chance to see him. I like to, cause he just seems he just has a way of <laughs> talking about normal stuff and making it funny. So right, right. <laughs> good stuff. Well, awesome. The, uh, uh, so Jeremy, let's, let's start a little bit about uh, where your interest in technology and eventually coding came from. What, right. I mean, what, who did that to you? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good question. How did I start being interested in this stuff? So the first, um, the first thing I tried with coding was probably around middle school. I tried just making a basic 
you know, website and, um, you know, that was just HTML and that was, you know, I think there was really nothing on it. It was just some text and some colors and some inside jokes with some friends. And I think um, I kind of slowly started trying different projects. I took my first class in, uh, in high school, my first computer science class in high school. I ended up uh, studying it in college. But one thing that I liked along the way that I think kept me interested and I really think is very motivating uh, for other students is how do you connect it to your interests? Um, and so in high school, I had was doing, a, and in college, I was doing a comedy newspaper and I was building the website for the comedy newspaper and trying to figure out how do you build websites? And so I had a little, and uh, you know, we would do like little puzzles and I was figuring out, okay, how do you program a puzzle for this? And so, you know, everyone's interested in different things. People don't have, you know, they're not interested in the same things I am, but I think they can find a connection like, oh, I'm interested in, XYZ thing in my sort of local community, or I'm interested in, you know, something with sports, or I'm interested in something with, you know, biology, and I can go and connect that to coding. And I think, again, starting small, making something that's meaningful and building from there, you know, um, that's how I got interested kind of playing around making small little projects and uh, going from there. Very cool. And by the way, the more you talk, the more it really does fit well with juggling. You know, it's like, right, right. <laughs> That's funny. Yes, yes. So very cool. So, uh, you know, I, and by the way, I, I, you're making me want to skip way down the road to a question I'm going to ask you later. Yeah, you can go, go any direction you want. <laughs> I got I, I to ask this because, uh, you know, we're, gonna, we're getting ready to talk about Read, Write, Code, a friendly introduction to the world of coding and why it's the new literacy. And by the way, you do exactly. I mean, there's stuff in there that, that uh, you know, boy, I wish I'd had your book just a couple, just just a little while ago as I started the website and doing some of these other things. Right, right. You know, because a lot of times people say things to you and they think you just understand it because they repeat it. Therefore, it's, you must know this because everybody knows what uh, DNS right. is or an IP, you know, what yeah, no, I think most people maybe don't know. <laughs> right. And that's actually the reality of it is they're all going, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I don't know what he's talking about. And and so you do a great job in the beginning of the book of, of doing all this stuff. And I'm going to save one of those questions for just a minute. But I, 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 I want to go ahead and, and, and say this. Um, in the introduction to your book, Read, Write, Code, you note, I studied computer science and artificial intelligence at Stanford and taught the introductory computer science courses there. I now have direct experience working with thousands of teachers in schools and have visited hundreds of classrooms for computer science around the country and around the world. So I got a question for you, Jeremy. What, what's the number one lesson you have learned since working with so many people? Wow, that is a tough question. Um, I think the number one lesson I've learned would be um, probably just the importance of taking a growth mindset attitude towards coding. I really think that so much of that is if you think you can do it, you can, and that has compounding effects in the positive direction. Um, and a lot of people might write themselves off for it before they get started. Oh, I'm not a coding person. Oh, I'm not a math person. Oh, this isn't for me. And computer science education in general and the, you know, the professional field is needing to do a lot of work to overcome that for a lot of people who are feeling, oh, this isn't for me. And so I think the next, you know, the current generation, the next generation of educators has a lot of work to do to help convince students, hey, this can be for you. And so making it fun and friendly at the beginning, which is again, 
the ethos of the book, the ethos of what we do at CodeHS. Um, I think that's so important. You know, if you lose someone before they get started, and again, maybe computer science classes, you know, 10, 20 years ago, it, it was like trying to push people away. It was trying to be so hard at the beginning. Yes, it can get very advanced, but I think, yeah, starting small, you know, building on those successes, taking a growth mindset approach. Um, I think that's, that's so, that's so huge. I like that. That's, that's awesome. The, uh, and by the way, having been in one of those early computer classes a long time ago, if then go to statements, you know, really drove me nuts after a while. It's like, really, could we do something else? This is right. Right. But, uh, the, uh, just for note that yes, severely dates me. So, <laughs> so, uh, let's let's dive into read write code a friendly introduction to the world of coding and why it's the new literacy and and then i am going to skip forward because i wanted to get to sure. this part so I, I actually you give me permission here <laughs> um I, by the way i had a hard time getting out of the introduction because you have so much good stuff right there all right and this Thank is you. i could have spent the whole interview <laughs> just just in the introduction you would have gone you know you could go a few more pages past that but um you explain in the introduction that the best way to read this book is to try things out along the way. Can you talk about what you mean? Yeah. So um, to go along with the book, there's like a book companion website at rewritecodebook.com. And, you know, you can, you can read the book on its own and that's totally fine, but I'll give little code snippets and I'll explain little concepts and they'll basically with the book website, every chapter has a set of links. And within those links, you can click and explore something or you can um, go and run a program. So I would guess for a lot of people, you know, maybe you, you don't know what code is, you don't know what a program is. I can go explain that to you in a couple of paragraphs, but then I hope people will go, you know, click the website, click chapter one, and then click that first button and they can see, oh, cool. That's what, that's what a hello world program is. It says, says print hello and then hello comes to the screen or oh that's what carol the dog is you know oh i can change the commands and change the instructions so um basically there's little try it boxes along the way and it'll prompt you to you know you can write a program modify a program or just explore something like you know i'll, I'll show you how you can view the source of a web page and just see oh here's the code that's making it up or try and change something in the web page or you know um Say you have a digital image, you know, zoom into the image, keep zooming in until you can see the pixels, you know, and, and connect that to, you know, whatever else we're, we're talking about in the chapter. I love that. The, uh, and it's especially because it's, uh, you know, it, you're encouraging them to play. Yep. Yep. And, and a lot of people, they're going to need encouragement, <laughs> but it's, that's good. That's a good encouragement to say, go ahead, take a break go follow this. And I love that. And I, you know, what, what made you think about putting in, you know, having those outside resources to go do that? I mean, was that just something you thought about or? Um, yeah, I, I think that if the book didn't have something like that, it would just be, it would just be a huge gap. It, you know, learning, learning things with coding, it, it has to be interactive. You have to try it. You want to make mistakes. You want to, you know, make a mistake and fix it. And you want to test something and see the result. And so that, the kind of experimenting that you do when you're programming, I think is important to learning it. And, uh, you know, if you read the book, I think you'll still get a lot out of it. But if you read the book and try it, I think the concepts will sink in more. I like that. That's, uh, I, th I think you're right. Because you, too often, you know, people, you'll read a book cover to cover 
And then if you don't do anything with it, <laughs> it's like, it's right. Like, like I'll give a, a fun example, which is, again, I explained it in the book, but then you can click the link and just click run and, and see this example. I talk about algorithms, you know, algorithms are, you know, step-by-step, -step, uh, you know, step-by-step -step process um, that you're outlining for the computer. And, you know, I highlight a few well-known ones, but there's also a fun algorithm with, which is like a maze solving algorithm. And, um, you know, we have this character, Carol the dog, who can kind of move around a world and solve these puzzles. And so you can see Carol solve a maze and you can actually visualize that and kind of step through it one at a time and see how the code connects to the output. And I think it just, it helps put the pieces together. Very cool. Definitely does. It's, since you brought Carol up, can you, you want to talk about where that idea of Carol came from to, I mean, what Carol right, does? That, yeah, Carol. Uh, so we start with a lot, number of our courses with something called Carol a dog, uh, basically a friendly dog who lives in a grid world that only knows four commands. So the dog can move, uh, turn left, put down a tennis ball and take a tennis ball. That's it. So you're starting with a really simple, um, a really simple language. And the idea is that giving commands to a computer, which is coding, is like giving commands to a dog and you start and you, you know, you write a couple commands and you can kind of see it in that, in that grid world. But then you build up a lot of foundational concepts around, okay, how do you do, um, you know, loops? How do you do conditionals? How do you write a function? Um, a function is teaching the dog, you know, a new word. Um, but it's also lets you kind of get rid of maybe the corrupt and just focus on the problem solving aspect of that. So we, um, you know, I explained that in the book, we, we use Carol in a bunch of our courses. That was actually, we used uh, Carol the robot in, at Stanford and that is um, from someone named Richard Pattis and um, it's a nice little educational like programming language idea. Gotcha, it's cool. And you show pictures and so forth in the book of yeah. it and it's a, it's a neat thing. So you know, uh, one of the things that I, I wanted to, to ask you about is, uh, you know, in the, according to your book, coding will soon be the new standard of literacy. Um, how soon is soon and who's in danger of falling behind? What do you think? Right. That's a good question. I think it's a little controversial, that statement, but part of the way I frame it is with an analogy. The idea is, you know, reading and writing are core foundational skills today. You know, I think most people would agree on that. You know, you graduate school and you should know how to read or write. You don't have to be a professional reader, professional writer. You're going to use it with whatever you're doing. Um, but then you go back, you know, 500, 600 years, and actually only a few people uh, knew how to read and write. That was, a, that was a skill for the elite, you know, and the printing press changed that. And, you know, the, the next few hundred years, you had an explosion of books. I think we're at the printing press moment for computers, you know, with the internet, with computers kind of exploding just in the last, you know, even 20, 30 years. Um, yeah, a lot of people don't think they need coding. They don't know what they're missing. Um, I would argue we're at that same point where most people didn't know how to read. But then, um, you know, I think as you think about, okay, what's the next five, 10, 50 years, things are moving in that direction with technology. And I think it's just a part of understanding the world you live in. The argument for, you know, in, in uh, Rewrite Code and what we talk about with CodeHS, it's not everyone needs to be a professional programmer. You know, it's really, you know, if, you, if you're interested in that, I, I think that's great. And there's so many cool things you can do in, in every industry. Um, but I think even if you're not going to be a professional programmer, just to understand 
um, you know, the world around you. It's, it's so essential and, and you're using technology and software all the time. A couple of examples that come to mind is just, you know, you're talking about, for example, like data, data privacy. You know, I think if people don't have that sort of basic foundational vocabulary, I'm like, what is data? What does it mean for my data to be tracked? What are the considerations? What is hacking? How do I protect myself against that? Um, you know, that just comes into the public discourse and we may be making decisions as a society and run, how should we collect our data? Who, who should be in charge of that? How should that be regulated? And I think that, you know, even at the, even at the, even at the legislative level, I would say most people who are making these big decisions that are related to technology, related to society, don't have that foundational knowledge. And so a lot of things don't make a lot of sense. You know, and I think that just having that baseline means we can, you know, talk about those things in a much, in a much better way. So uh, I think that answers your question a little bit. It does. No, I think it's good stuff. And, it, you know, just as a side note, it's, you know, one of the things uh, that hap that's happened in a positive manner for me out of the pandemic is that now lots of people that I talk with, uh, under, especially in my age bracket or above, and I got to tell you, there's the age bracket right below me too stumbles, <laughs> but uh, they, you know, I, I talk about, uh, I'm going to use this thing called zoom and I'm going to send you this link and, and they go, well, how does that work? And I go, I just send you a link and you just click on it at the right time. And we are able to talk. Well, how does that work again? Can I use my phone? And I'm like, you know, come on. Okay. Wait a second now. <laughs> All right. You're old enough <laughs> that you should be able to do this. And you know, I couldn't use words like that. I would say, no, I'll explain it to you. This is how it works. Well, you know, one of the positives that's happened is now now people are sick and tired of stuff like this. <laughs> and they're like, yes, I, I know how to use this now. I've run into so many people now that it, this is this has not been a challenge anymore. And right. and I I kind of think the same way with like coding and such. There's lots of people making decisions. This is where I was going with this. Before there were lots of people making decisions and they didn't even know how to just use something as simple as I send you the link, you click on it and suddenly. Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. I think again, so I, I talk about coding, but I talk, I, but the subtitle is the world, the world of coding, because there's a lot of adjacent concepts and I really do feel like it's, you don't know what you don't know. And so I'm trying to put a, a little map together. And so when I talk about, you know, how the internet works, it's like, okay, well first, you know, what's a browser, you know, okay. The browsers, <laughs> different than the internet. You know, what's the internet? The internet's the network. The browser's, you know, your gateway to it. But that's okay. You know, no judgment. Like you haven't learned it. You haven't learned it. But I think if you're, if you're willing to give it a try and kind of conquer that fear of technology, you know, I think that you know, we work with so many educators. We do a lot of professional development. And I would say, you know, there's definitely teachers who've been teaching computer science for, you know, five, 10, you know, more years. But a lot of them are new and I think, um, you know, being able to have a positive attitude and try it is so much of the battle. Like I think a lot of people, they put up a wall at a fear of technology. I don't know what a link is. I don't know how to use this. Oh, it's all broken. And then the mindset with when you learn about coding, it's like, okay, maybe it's broken. It's a bug, a bug, something's broken. How do you fix it? How do you reason about the logic of the program, the logic of the technology? Um, and so I think, I think getting a little bit of that coding knowledge and that programming knowledge, um, can also, you know, conquer this fear of technology. 
and not everything I click is going to break something. Um, so yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. We're, we're all on zooms all the time now, you know, <laughs> that we are, that we are, it's kind of funny. And it's, and it, I think, I think you're right. You know, there, you get, you get a lot of people that get so concerned thanks to, you know, hackers are us out there that keep, you know, fishing and doing all the things that they do right. that you start worrying that is this bad? Is that bad? Is this bad? Or right. That, yes. And, there's, okay. There's so much here. I mean, and, and, you know, for different people listening, if you're a school administrator, I mean, school systems have gotten hacked. Hospital systems have gotten hacked. People are talking about, you know, what does it mean to have uh, secure elections? And I think understanding things on the cybersecurity front, it has to start with the educational component. So what are those basic, you know, things you need to do to be safe online? Most people haven't done a lot of them. And there's a few that you can do in just, you know, even an hour to understand like, okay, you know, all your passwords are the same on every website and one site gets hacked, then they can use that password and get access to your other sites. So you should have different passwords on different sites or, you know, organizations are getting fished, you know, someone's sending them a deceptive message and, you know, we should, we're going to need a, it's going to be standard. You got to have to be educated on, on, you know, uh, observing phishing attacks and preventing those. That's, that's a attack vector, you know, that's, and then some schools have gotten like ransomware attacks, you know, and you can, you can protect against it. It's, you know, it's a challenge, but as opposed to or being oriented with a mindset of like fear, like, ah, oh, what's going to happen if you're oriented with a mindset of like, okay, how do we educate about this? How do we teach the students? How do we teach the teachers? How do we teach the employees at our company? Um, okay, this is hacking. This is phishing. This is, this is what you can do to protect against it. If you're not sure, you know, here's a few resources. Here's two-factor authentication. You know, most people aren't doing a lot of these things. And I think just that baseline um, is really important right now. Wouldn't it be great to have a day to renew, rethink, and reboot in these unprecedented times? That's the mission of the Impact Summit. This will be a moving forward next day implementable every learner can be successful kind of day. Register your team today at impacteducationsummit.com. The date, June 23rd. The organizer is Susie Pepper Rollins, three-time author and national presenter. Just head to impacteducationsummit.com for details. Well, I think you're right. You know, and just a side note, I mean, just, just the other day, uh, some hackers decided that they were going to, uh, um, for whatever reason, uh, you know, get money out of some podcast platforms and they, they scrambled up their, their ability to uh, ha have their podcasts out there. And there's some pretty big ones involved in the middle of that thing. And uh, crazy. it is crazy. And it's I, like, yeah, I don't know that one, but it's happening. It's happening all the time. Yes, it is. Uh, and what's funny is that uh, a news agency got in contact with one of reach out to the, you know, cause they wanted money and they wanted you to reach out to right, them. And, right. and so contacted the hacker who talked with, it was a, um, a podcast news agency. Right. And, uh, um, and it was just interesting because he, the guy comes back with this discussion about how it didn't make sense what the guy was talking, you know, what he, he's, he's saying, it didn't make sense what the hackers want wanting, you know, is it really this or is it that or whatever, you know, but you know, they were able to take something down and supposedly it was something really easy that the, the podcast platforms are now frantically going, what the heck did they, but of all I, things to attack. <laughs> right. No, it's, 
that's what's going on. That that it is that it is crazy crazy world. But I you know I I love the big all this in the beginning of the book because you get into so many different things that people throw these words out there and you know most of us really don't know what they're talking about and so it's just that we kind of have sort of an idea and uh, you know and and for example everything from I mean I understand what an IP address is kinda, I know what it, you know, how it functions. Um, but there's then this DNS and TCP, JavaScript, you know, and I've learned domain names because that's that's rather simple when you go to buy one. But, you know, if you go to buy a domain name, then you wanna get bombarded with all kinds of stuff on what you gotta do with it in order to make it go to the website that you want it to go right, to. That's right. a lot of fun right there. Right. And uh, it's like, oh my goodness, you told me it was easy. I just had to buy the thing. And now you're telling me I need to right. not only know right. a new language, I need to know engineering and all kinds of other things. <laughs> right, yeah, there's, um, there's different levels, you know? And I think like for me in the process of learning it, like sometimes you start and you do things in the most basic way first before you jump to the advanced version. So you can get a website online in a lot of different ways. You can buy a domain, you can use a website builder. That's one way to build a website. Um, but then you wanna go and customize a little bit more. You learn HTML, which structures websites. You learn CSS, which designs websites. Um, and then you can just, you know, you put up a website, but you wanna make it interactive. You know, you learn JavaScript, you might wanna, modify the server or the logic or save data for later. You might learn another language or might use a database, but you don't have to start there. You know, you don't have to start there. And so I think sometimes people can get stuck in trying to tackle everything at once. But I think getting like a win, which is just like, okay, hey, like, can I get my, can I get a domain on the internet? You know, <laughs> yes. can I get my domain up? Can I get my blog up? Can I write my first HTML program? And it's okay if your first HTML, you know, website just says, this is my website. Like, that's okay. I think you get the eureka moment just by kind of taking things end to end. Um, with CodeHS, we try and do a lot to reduce the friction. You can just like, in a minute, you know, click on the site, click a program and then run it. Nice. You know, you don't have to worry about hosting it. Um, so that's nice for students and for educators. But I think it's cool to learn how you might want to host it. Um, you know, you can go another level under the hood. Um, but yeah that's cool what you're talking about because there's there are so many different levels i mean like just if not so many years ago um you know i was fascinated by I, my podcast has been going now for almost eight years um awesome. and uh and when i started it i had wanted to start earlier than that i was i had been a principal at the time and i just couldn't figure out i was listening to some podcasts and stuff like this and it, i'm like all right there's, there's all kinds of things that turned me away from even trying the good thing is, is that in the process of all that, it became way easier. <laughs> right. There's not a lot of tools for it. Yeah. And, it, and uh, suddenly it became way more affordable, way easier. And, uh, and there's a lot more podcasts out there to listen to and to kind of make, you know, you know, fashion yourself after and, uh, uh, and get information from, which, which was neat. And, you know, so, but at the same time, it, I think it's the same way in lots of this stuff. You know, one of the things that I wanted you to, to do is we've used the term coding now. So at this point, what really is coding? I mean, what are, what are we talking about? Right. Um, coding is giving instructions to a computer. That's what it is. That seems, it's really, simple. that's it. It's simple. Yeah, it's like a, it's, there's so, that's, that's the, one, one of the things in the book is every time I introduce a new kind of word 
I'll bold the word. So it's like, hey, here's just a word to know. What's challenging is you might be throwing, like you said, 20 words at once. You're like, I don't know IP. I don't know JavaScript. I don't know coding. I don't know function. Ah, turn, turn it off, you know. Exactly. But one thing at a time, it's, it's okay. You know, coding is just the instructions to the computer. And where do you use it? You know, any website that you interact with, any app that you use, someone programmed it. Someone coded it. They gave the instructions. They designed it. They said, what happens when you click here? Where does this data go? What's the logic? Um, that's what coding is. You know, a lot of students, they don't they know they're using the apps. They don't necessarily know that coding is what made the apps. You know, now I think, you know, more schools are, are bringing computer science classes and we, we work with a lot of schools to do that, but it's still a tiny, tiny fraction of students that are taking it in, in uh, school. Probably less than 5% of high school students are taking it. Maybe less than half of them a little bit are offering it. Um, but I think if you ask parents, you know, almost every parent would want their student to, to learn it. Oh, I think you're right. I think you're right, especially yeah. at least to dabble in it a little bit. And that, and there's different, you know, kind of like, you know, when, uh, and I still run into people who go, I don't think I could ever do podcast, you know, right. and I'm, you know, and the, and not so very long ago with, with coding, it would be very similar. And, you know, then certain companies, and by the way, listeners, when I'm, I'm getting ready to mention some name brands, none of them sponsor my, <laughs> my show. Um, but like, you know, Lego came out with different sorts of um, pretty advanced sorts of robotic type things where you program right. and right. You, you create right. the code and that all of a sudden kind of demystified some of it. And, and the, right. the and I'm right in saying the raspberry Pi too, right? That's, right. Yeah. And yeah, and, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different ways to get started with hardware, which is cool. Physical computing. Um, yeah, no, I mean, what we're doing with code HS, we're trying to make it more accessible. That's very I think, cool. a big, big aspect. That's awesome. Uh, um, yeah. You know, it's, as when I was in high school, <laughs> all right, once again, <laughs> myself, but I had this math teacher who was awesome. If you wanted extra credit, he was, he was also sponsored the computer club and all that sort of stuff. And you'd, you'd come in to get extra credit by, uh, he had all these magazines that had this code and you'd sit down at the computer and you'd literally input all this line code. Right. And, uh, and then it ultimately created a game is what he was doing. He was creating all these games <laughs> in his, in his library. And, um, and it's just funny because we've, I think we've come a long way since, uh, you know, lots of that type of line code type stuff. So right. not right. really understanding what it is you're putting into the computer. Right. So, uh, you know, one of the things, so how precise does code need to be? Is, is it something that you really got to watch what you're doing because you could screw it up? Yeah. Um, it's got to be pretty precise. The computer is pretty picky. Um, <laughs> And there's different like rules, like with the syntax of, you know, how you need to write a command. So it's not like a spoken language where if I'm not completely exact, um, you still might understand what I'm saying. You have to be very precise with programming language. There's also different types of programming languages used for different things. But if, uh, if you type something and you're, you know, referring to a specific word or a command and it doesn't know what you're talking about, it'll throw an error and it'll say, oh, this... This isn't working. Oh, we have a crash. That makes uh, sense. <laughs> sometimes that's a crash that's just behind the scenes and the programmer sees, but sometimes the end user might see a crash. Like I'm clicking this, it's not working. It might not be you. It might have been that there was a bug in the software. I mean, everyone, you know, and I talk about in the books, some like, you know, famous, well-known bugs. 
some people might know, remember like Y2K bug. Oh, I love the fact that you included <laughs> that one, by the way. I love that one. And then I talk, and then I close that chapter talking about the year 2038 bug. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta share a little bit about that one. But before we do, I gotta tell you about the Y2K okay. one. So um, my wife in the world that she worked in, she was well aware that that was coming, all right? And, she's, and, and so then they started talking about it. I'll never forget those days because they were talking about it. And, and she and I on that New Year's Eve, we actually went to a Walmart. Um, I, you guys have Walmart up there? You got, uh, um, there's, you got another, there's Walmarts, but. Yeah, you got another version of it up there, I think. A different, <laughs> they, uh, but uh, um, we went to this Walmart on New Year's Eve night just to see what people were buying that night. All right. And uh, so we're wandering around. It was pretty amazing. If you watch people buying like cases of, uh, of Denty Moore stew and, uh, you know, right, things right. just, you know, and fishing poles and lots of stuff just in case that power was gone. Lots of water, bottled water went through those doors. And, uh, and it was rather interesting. Uh, and then there were those people who were just buying TVs and things like that. But, <laughs> you know, but it was quite interesting to see the people who were really thinking that tomorrow, everything may be really different because it's all going to crash and burn. So right. tell, tell us about 2038. Right. So in that chapter, um, I do talk a little bit about bugs. I do talk a little bit about how information is encoded. Um, and there's a problem known as year 2038 problem, which is the way that it's another thing related to the way that dates are represented, which was Y2K. And like, is there enough space or what will happen when we run out of space? So, um, the thing is, again, there's a bunch of words that you need to know in advance to understand it together. It can be a lot, but separately they all, you know, make sense. But, um, basically the way that some systems may store the date, it could run out of space in 2038. Like the number, like, like if you think about storing a number on a computer, like, you know, say there's only like, you know, 10 slots to store that number, but I have a really long number. It's a 15 slot number. It doesn't fit. So um, basically in 2038, that date, the way that they're counting dates on computers, it'll run out of space. So it'll nice. get to the maximum number. Nice. Um, and then it goes back to a negative number. And so right. they can mitigate this, but that's, you know, you may see that pop up in some systems. I think in YouTube one time, like the first video that got some billion number of views, it, um, it overflowed too. And it went to like a negative number. <laughs> Gotta love it. I mean, the, the Y2K stuff was all about that date stuff too. It's like, you know, way back when, when they're creating all that stuff, who would have thought that one day we might actually get to 2000, right? I guess I don't, you know, is that what they were thinking? Right. I mean, right. <laughs> yeah, it's like, right. Right. Oh, it might start over at zero. That might not be good. <laughs> right. or whatever, or whatever the thought was. Hopefully, hopefully they'll mitigate they'll mitigate it but there's a lot of old systems that have been running with you know systems that have like haven't been changed or languages that haven't been changed for a while honestly a lot of government systems are built on very very old that's the scary technology thing. i know i mean i think it would be security. i think if the government could kind of upgrade its technology to not even 2021 but even to 20 you know 15 or something <laughs> right could be a little like, closer it would blow people's minds you know because what you can do like Again, interfacing with some of those systems as an individual from a company perspective, it's, it's always can be quite painful, but actually you can use the technology in a way to really, and I think it would ultimately just solve a lot of problems, help a lot of people. So I talk, I mean, in the book I talk about, okay, how do you, how can you use it for solve problems, but like also, okay, what are the risks? Like, you know, what are the dangers? There's definitely dangers. I think we're seeing some of those too. 
Very much so. Very much so. I, well, I love that, uh, that that section where you get into all that. I, let's let's kind of shift a little bit here and sure. just talk about kids learning coding. What I mean, what do you think is a great way of getting kids interested in coding? Right. Well, that's what I mean. That's what we focus on at CodeHS. You know, we've worked with thousands and thousands of teachers, thousands and thousands of schools. Um, you know, we do start with with Carol in uh, in many of our uh, sometimes middle school, sometimes high school. We start with JavaScript, we start with Python. Um, sometimes we start with block coding. Block coding means, as opposed to needing to type it, you can kind of drag and drop visual blocks. Um, I think trying to get to like an early success is, is really important. I think trying to provide real world connections is really important. Um, and, you know, we use a few of these kind of visual programming environments. So we use something, um, yeah, we use, we use, we have Carol the dog, we have Tracy the turtle, we have a few different ones, but um, I think combining like, you know, small step-by-step successes, giving students ability to be creative, having teachers that are supportive, even if, you know, they're newer to programming, you know, that's a kind of good recipe of where to start. Very cool. So where, where's coding, learning how to code and all that, where's it leading us? Where's, what path is it taking us to? Uh, as a society? Yes. Great question. Um, well, I think, I think if more people do learn, like I would say at this point, a small number of people know. I think if more people learn, then we have, you know, just a really great tool set to think about solving the challenges, you know, that we face as a society. So the, the way that I like to frame it is, you know, you, you learn coding, that's a tool that you have, that's great. But then if you combine that with your interests or understanding in another area, say you're interested in biology, and now you can, um, you know, there's a field biocomputation. You can think about how are we applying, um, you know, computer science to biology? How are we applying computer science to anywhere else? I think bringing those things together um, just is a really very, very helpful skill set. I think, you know, for students, I would say learning coding closes no doors. You know, it really, it really doesn't. You can, um, you know, if you're, again, I'd say pick any area and you'll find it. We have a whole blog. It's called Coding in the Wild. Um, and we'll talk about on that blog, like we'll interview people who use coding in different areas. Like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm doing data analysis for, you know, for basketball games. So they're, you know, they're connecting coding with sports. Or if people are wondering, hey, what does graduate research even look like today? Graduate research in economics, graduate research in chemistry, what do you think it looks like? Actually, you need coding. You need coding. That's like an essential tool. It's how are we looking at the data? How are we looking at modeling? How are we bringing together, you know, a lot of information? Cool. So, it's, so I, I, that's kind of part of the literacy argument. Yeah, I, that's great. Learn economics. There's, that's a great area. Learn chemistry. There's so many applications. But what does it look like to learn chemistry, you know, at an advanced level? in 2021. Actually, you just, you need to be familiar with data. You need to know how to, you know, maybe you're using Python, maybe you're using some other language, maybe you're using different mathematical modeling software. Um, but that's, that's what it looks like to, to kind of apply coding in other fields. So I think that's, that's where we're going. It's said, okay, yes, you can use it on your own, but we'll say, oh, let's, let's take these skills in coding and how do we apply them to, um, whatever, journalism, you know, and you're seeing that. So if you have that, 
if you have that toolkit, it just makes, I think it will give you a lot more leverage in what you're looking to do. Excellent. Thank you. The, uh, all right. So with that information, now I got to pop to a topic I've been burning up to talk about. And all I right. Just, Let's hear it. Hey, because we got to talk about AI for a minute. Okay. All right? Sure. And uh, so please tell me, I hope that you're going to say the right thing when I say this next thing. Have you ever read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? I, I have. Oh, awesome. That's the right answer. Okay. So, so with that, I, I can recall all of it. Yeah. <laughs> don't have, don't have to recall all of it. Um, and there's a couple of things out of there that in the world that we're in now, it's too bad that Douglas Adams has passed on because I would love to hear his, his thoughts about <laughs> this world. But if you have read his, his words, um, he's very satirical about, you know, society and so forth through uh, his adventures in space. But the, uh, one of the things that happens in the beginning, and I forget the exact lines, but uh, he, he describes Earth as a place that's still very fascinated with digital watches. And, and I, what I want to ask with AI is, are we really at a place with AI or are people just thinking that we are? And is it that it's really just kind of like a, a big digital watch from the past? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. I don't think it's a digital watch. I don't think it's a digital watch. I think it's operating silently in a lot of places that people don't know. I would hope uh -huh. that in a book you could kind of go, okay, this is what AI is. And then you know where to look for it. Um, you know, in AI, you're trying to get the computer to learn or predict something. Some of those applications are innocuous. Some of them are definitely not. And, um, you know, a recipe for AI is, okay, you have a ton of data and you're trying to learn something about the data, not something that I could, like if I had a, you know, a list of numbers, I couldn't necessarily just figure something out from that, but you'll, you'll use an algorithm, you'll apply different mathematical or probabilistic models, and we'll try and learn something. We might just want to predict, uh, maybe predict something simple, you know, for example, if you're getting recommended, you're getting, you're getting recommended a, a show on Netflix, you know, that's AI. That's an easy example of AI. But then if, uh, you know, people are using AI for facial recognition to tag you in photos, maybe that's helpful. But if they're using facial recognition and now they're doing it across all of society all the time in this huge way in China, um, and I share a story in the book, I think I was in Shanghai and like, again, they like zoom into someone's face on the street as we're going through a crosswalk. And I think it's a system where they're like using facial recognition on jaywalkers. Well, it's a very different question to say, well, what if we just have a completely pervasive facial recognition in our society? And then that brings up like a kind of minority report type of thing. So, <laughs> you know, or if like police departments are using facial recognition or, you know, predictive modeling around, you know, and, and, and they found like a lot of these systems, the systems could be biased. They're biased based on the data. They're biased based on creative. They could be, they could be racist, you know, and it's not a neutral system. It's based on what's the algorithm? You know, what's the data? What are the assumptions? So I don't think it's a digital watch. Um, well, it's interesting because that's, you know, because I, it, it's one of the things that drives me nuts is that you hear people talk about it. And, you yeah. know, there's lots of people wanting there's a lot it. Of hand, there's a lot of hand wavy stuff. But it right. may come slow and then very fast. And I think um, the cutting edge of this stuff is crazy. That's interesting to know because it's just, it is, and, it, and by the way, there's more into that book, but <laughs> going into that book just a little bit, in, in there, there's computers that do different things like uh, um, the, 
anything that's is meant to make your day better will tell you, um, you know, have a nice day, you know, it's something, right. like that. you know, and, uh, um, and it drives some of the characters nuts. But, right. uh, but the point is, is that like, you know, part of where we're going today, like one of the things that's interesting to me is the, the idea of having these stores that uh, you would walk into and because you've, you know, whatever is identified on your phone with money and such that you walk into, it identifies you and says, Hey, here's Steve. And, uh, and this is getting back to that book, the computers announce all kinds of annoying things from time to time. And, uh, you know, and you can see you walking into one of these stores and going, Hey, Steve's back, everybody. Welcome Steve. Let's all welcome Steve. Hey, Steve's back. And just, did you know that last time Steve was here, he bought the following. What? Wait, 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 no, 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 no. You know? Right. Um, right. But that's the data that, the Amazon that that they already have about you. And I think just surfacing the awareness about that data and what it means to collect it at an individual level and then what it means to collect it for billions of people. Um, that's why, that again, that's why I think this is foundational. First, understand that that's what's happening and that's what's going on. And then what do we want to do about it? And I don't think it should just be like passively. Okay, well, let's just go into a, let's just, let's just go with whatever that flow is. Like, it's not, it's not, you know, some of it is really questionable. I agree with you. Like, well, at the stuff you're talking about with the facial recognition, you could use that to a complete uh, utter end. I mean, where you're, you're just, uh, right. um, it could be so destructive to a society. It right. could be helpful. <laughs> right. So I think, co- you know, coding is a tool. It, it has a lot of leverage to it, a lot of power to it. And I think, you know, we want, you know, we want to make sure that we, how do we use it in a productive way? You know, how do we use it? But that's like, again, that's like anything. Um, yeah, there's so much to each of these topics we could talk about. Anyway. Very much so, very much so. And I could spend a long time on this one because it just... The AI, there's so, there's so much to the AI topic. Well, it's, it's quite fascinating because some of it that uh, I'm constantly yelling at my phone going, all right, so you're supposed to be AI. Why did you correct that word to that when that's not what I want? Sometimes it's really dumb. Sometimes, <laughs> you're right. Sometimes computers can be really dumb. And so to understand, and I share about this a little in the book, but it's like what types of things are easy for computers and what types of things are hard for computers. It's kind of the opposite of what's easy and hard for humans. Like cracking an egg is like an easy thing. Like to get a, to program a computer to tell a robot to crack an egg that's, that's hard. Like, that's very hard. Or like identify a face. Like, you know, I mean, that's, it's pretty good. Stuff's also, again, the AI and some of the machine learning technology and deep learning stuff. It's just advanced a lot in the last five or 10 years. Pretty wild, pretty wild stuff. Cause it's, I I just know that the the thing that's, and now I'm fascinated by what (laughs) might be considered a digital watch, but you know, when my phone remembers that, I often travel to this location on this day and at this certain time. And it says to me, Oh, by the way, if you were to travel now, it's going to take you an extra three hours because there's a massive wreck (laughs) in the middle of the road. And I'm like, that's, that's, it's like, dude, man, we're going to start (laughs) to name you because you just, you're following me. Right. Right. So all the digital assistants and, you know, yeah, pretty cool stuff. So I got I got to ask you since we just had a major event that took place with the, the a new robot on Mars. Um, right. Any any thoughts there about any coding that's involved in? I mean, what do the instructions uh, on those robots? Right. I I don't know off the top of my head enough about it, but I I mean those are massive massive software undertakings. I mean, get, like even just 
in the book, I talk about the example of like, you know, getting to the, getting to the moon and who are the programmers who are a lot of them were women, um, you know, getting, you know, actually writing the code to, to get to the moon. So I don't, I can't, I don't know the details, but I'm sure if we, if we research it, you'll find that, Hey, you're interested in space. Like, great. Learn coding, you know? Um, it's, a, it's another fascinating application. So I think it's a, it's a tool that lets you, again, push the edges of technology. It's exciting. It's crazy. It is exciting. It's very, and crazy <laughs> is the right word because, you know, part of where this is leading us is that hopefully, you know, uh, um, it's Elon, right? Who wants to go to Mars? <laughs> right. And it's right. pretty similar. Right. He's, he's sitting right. a human there. So, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, so uh, well, Jeremy, thanks for taking a walk down that path. As distorted <laughs> as and weird as it was there, I appreciate it. Uh, I, you know, take a minute and explain Code HS to everybody. What is it? What's it for? Who's it for? So Code HS, it's a comprehensive platform helping schools teach computer science. Uh, we have free curriculum for middle school and high school, over 60 courses for computer science. We do professional development, so we train teachers, online courses, virtual uh, PD, in-person PD, when you can do that. Um, and then full software platform. So, you know, students code online, teachers manage their assignments, manage their classroom, manage their data, districts manager implementation. So basically helping schools implement coding. Um, we have you know, 25,000 classrooms using it every month. We've had millions and millions of students on Code HS. And um, yeah, it's a really easy way for teachers to get started. And if you're, if you're new, you know, it's a great way to start. But if you're advanced and you've been doing it for, um, you know, 10 years, the two, like the tools that we have for it are just so much better. You know, students can get started in a minute as opposed to it used to take two days, you know, the, the teacher, the coding environment's integrated with the submission environment and it's integrated with the grade book. It's, you know, so it's all, all in one spot. Very cool. Very cool. The, uh, um, Jeremy, before we, uh, we finish up here, uh, if someone wanted to connect with you or learn more about code HS or, uh, or, right. uh, and, and making sure that they, they want to find out where to get read, write code, a friendly introduction to the world of coding and why it's the new literacy. What, right. We're going to send them. Um, so you can go to codehs.com. We have codehs on any social media. Um, you can find Rewrite Code on Amazon or rewritecodebook.com. And then myself, I'm, I'm on the internet at jkeesh uh, or jeremykeeshan.com. And uh, yeah. Very cool. Well, I'll have the links to all of that in the show notes and uh, so they can find your, your book, uh, Rewrite Code, and uh, as well as uh, Code HS. And, and uh let me ask you a couple of questions that have very little to do with what we've just been talking about. Sure. <laughs> um, the first one is, Jeremy, how do you keep going when so much is going on that you may want to quit? Ooh, question. I, I think, well, we've been doing Code HS for almost a decade. It's definitely been a challenge. Um, I think um, I have a lot of hobbies. I'm definitely interested in that. I think, uh, I think the work-life balance is super important. I've been doing meditating for a number of years. So I think uh, those are things that I do. And in addition, I think remembering why you're doing what you're doing. And those are, those are big things to do. Very cool. I like that. The uh, um, good stuff. So the last question, do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life? If, if so, who was it? And what would you say if given the chance to say, thank you? Yeah, that's a great question. I think I give a shout out to a couple uh, college computer science professors at Stanford. One would be uh, 
Jay Bornstein, one would be Maron Sahami. Um, and yeah, they've both been, you know, helpful teachers and, um, you know, I think bring an excitement around learning, uh, learning computer science. And that was how we got into what we're doing today, you know, through, through really getting into it in college and now saying, hey, how can we do that more widely with, with school? So, um, yeah, give them a shout out. Very cool. Awesome. Well, uh, Jeremy, thank you so much for talking with me today. Coding's fascinating. Your book, Read, Write, Code, a friendly introduction to the world of coding and why its new literacy is awesome. And, the, uh, and like I said, you explains all kinds of things that I wish I had you a couple of years ago, but it's helping me right now. You know, <laughs> definitely know what I'm talking about and not just a well, I think I think if someone's listening and they think they're too late, you're not too late. You're not too late. It, this is important now. These are foundational topics. They're going to be relevant today and in 10 years. And also, again, if someone's a student and they're starting learning in middle school now and, you know, they take a few classes, they'll be way more advanced than I was by the time I was, you know, when I was in college. And so, you know, it's a good time to start, even if you're starting at the beginning now. <laughs> I love that. Thanks for saying that. That's, that's cool because, you know, it is funny because, you know, way back when, when I thought it was all advanced and then, you know, then you start going, wow, they're even more so now. And, and, and it, this is your world. And, you know, you right. can right. see that coming too. Right. So good right. stuff. Well, um, Jeremy, thanks. Uh, wishing you the best in all you do. Thank you. Thanks, Stephen. Great to talk. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is excited to be a member of Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. The opinions expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions for classroom teachers and school administrators. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll share it with your friends.